Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And welcome. We have made it. This is the last episode of Season 1 of After All, and the last episode of Season 1 of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. What a coincidence! Um- Amazing. You'd think we were going through the entire series, episode by episode. You would think we had synchronized this and we put some no. thought into it. But it no planning. No, it, it was all magic and serendipity. <laughs> so and fairy dust and fairy dust and no effort. No, none at none, all. None, none at all. So episode twenty-four: the forty-five-year-old man. To get Mr. Grant back his job, Mary pays a visit to the outrageous station owner, Wild Jack Monroe. So the episode is, the final episode of the season is directed by Herbert Kenwith, and it is written by George Kurgo. So I don't think we've seen anything by him at this point. We'll see. I'm not sure. I'd have to, honestly, I'd have to look through. It's a lot of, a lot of writers to have to keep track of at this no point. No kidding. Oh, but yeah. this was a bit of a nothing episode. It was. It Des- was a, a bit of a lightweight episode. Despite the implications. Yes. Which were... Plentiful. Yes. So the I guess the station has WJM TV has a new station, station manager, manager, and they are unhappy with some of the ratings, and so certain shows are getting canceled, and some staff members are being let go, and then he makes the mistake of firing Lou, which Mary will not take lying down. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, rallies the troops and, and goes to the owner of the company, this Wild Bill something something. It's like Wild Bill Hickok, but it's not. Yeah. It's like Wild something something. Yeah. Jack What did I say Murphy his name was? I said Turner. his name. You did. Wild Jack Monroe. There you go. I said Murphy, but Monroe. Eh, might as well be. He's, he's a nut job. He's a crazy dude. He's, wow, he's kind of a ridiculous character. Wow, and his name is actually character. Slim Pickens. Oh, that's Slim Pickens. Who's Slim Pickens? Him. <laughs> that Slim Pickens is Slim Pickens? Yeah, don't say. And it's funny that he's calling everybody else Slim. Well, now that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, that, now that's really funny. I can't remember why I... why I, I mean, he's a character. He's somebody from that... Well, from way before that era. Was he some cowboy dude? At least according to IMDb, Slim Pickens spent the early part of his career as a real cowboy and the latter part playing cowboys. And he is best remembered for a single, quote, cowboy image, that of bomber pilot Madge King Kong waving his cowboy hat rodeo style as he he rides a nuclear bomb onto its target in the great black comedy Dr. Strangelove. Of course. I did not make that connection, but that makes perfect sense. Yes, it does. Okay. So the guy's a crazy dude, but he comes by it honestly. And he was in Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. Of course he was. And he was was in The Getaway, playing a character called Cowboy. 
Wow. All right. So he did. So yeah. he's a big Holy deal. Holy crow. 172 titles. I feel really ignorant now that I didn't know who this man was. Um, wow. So there we are. So, so the there crazy we are. dude has great pedigree as a crazy dude. Yeah. Slim Pickens. All right. So Slim Pickens likes <laughs> Lou. Yes, he does. Because he met him in a bar when they both got drunk and Lou fell, fell under the table and he offered him a job. Yes. After fighting each other, I think. Something. He lost was, four teeth, he said. Yeah. They were men. They were drunk. They did man things, a.k.a. they punched each other out or something. And then the one dude gave the other dude a drug. Yeah. Because that's what dudes do. Uh, I guess so. See, Especially. Women get mad at each other. And they, they don't speak they, for five years. They don't speak for five years. They wage psychological warfare. All hell breaks loose. loose. Lives are ruined. Men break, get into a fight and... Break teeth and then they give each other drugs. Exactly. We should take... Uh, we should take some cues from this. It's not a bad thing. Well, Mary appeals, tries to appeal to his insane sensibilities and winds up getting Lou his job back. And it's very sweet and it's very endearing, but they're really, let's face it, not a lot happens. No. I think it has more to do with the fact that Lou, uh, when he got wind of the fact that he might be getting fired, was like, ah, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I have uh, mm-hmm. people calling me every day trying to offer me a job and when he calls uh the the it was as it turns out it was only one person who was mm-hmm. offering him a job who offered the, him many times who offered him that same job many times mm-hmm. the guy said well there's kind of a youth revolution going on and uh you're 45 so you're kind of a bit you're old. over the hill you're over the hill so hence the title of the episode the 45 year old man, man. The, impre- the, the impression you get is that Lou is a has-been in the mm-hmm. business. And so there's that whole thing about ageism in the workplace. Mm-hmm. In this case, it, it happens to be towards Lou as opposed to towards a female character because yes. Mary, Mary's too young to be a has-been yet. Well, she's too young to be a has-been in the industry. Yes. As a woman, that's a different story. Her, her clock is ticking. Her clock is ticking. Yeah. Although we're never made to feel that her clock is ticking, which is kind of no. nice. No. And I think kind of important, considering what the show is trying to do. Exactly. But it's also, I guess, a bit of a testament to even, like, when Mary's trying to rally the troops and you get kind of this sense that this is her way of paying it forward when she was approached for the producer position for a female talk show. And Luf fought for her and when the you know Lou the went boss to bat went, for her he went to bat for her he really did and when it became really evident that she didn't want to leave mm-hmm. but had to for financial reason, reasons he did what he had to do to twist the arm of those above him in order to get her the money that she needed to stay right and she would put she would throw herself under the bus for him because she knows that he would do the same he'd yeah. never he he might not admit it and he might be really tight-lipped about how much he actually cares about the people that he works with, even somebody like Ted. Mm-hmm. But he would fight for them, so she feels they must do the same for him. And that's really sweet. Yeah. And kind of sets the tone for, I think, what we're going to get in season two and beyond. Probably. Is this, the camaraderie yeah. amongst the, the workers. And it's, it's really also nice to see that Mary... While they acknowledge her as a woman, which it, it, she's it is. a woman, she's a woman, so you must acknowledge <laughs> there. There's never, at least at this point, and we're only in season one, but I don't recall this being ever an issue. 
there's no sexual innuendo there's no there's no you know her coworkers are gender neutral as far as anything is concerned with respect to how they interact with her they interact with her as a coworker they respect her as a coworker there isn't the well she's a woman therefore she can only do this or that or no. or there's no sexual harassment in this workplace. Well, not, not from... Episodes not, withstanding. Other but, episodes withstanding. Not yes. from the regulars. No, not from the regulars. You know, but there is there is different treatment of her because she's a woman. But that's usually put in a certain framework to call attention to the fact that that was a genuine issue of the day. Yes. Like with, you know, the boss isn't coming to dinner. Yeah. Where they go to the bar and have that horrible conversation. Right. And it's, and Lou has really kind of thrown her under the bus there and kind of positioned her as, well, you wanted to be helpful. Here's how men actually talk about this stuff, Mm. little lady. Like here you can see, you know, you don't read sports sections in newspapers. You don't know what we're talking about. Isn't that funny? Which is kind of shitty. It is. And you get, and you do get that in, in other episodes with that sense of, I guess, independence as a woman. Mm. Like, and you, you get it from some of the staff members, mostly from someone like Ted, because he's positioned as being this doofus. But but generally, no. It's like she's somebody treated like, like, a, like Murray. She's treated like a yes. genuine co-worker who is his equal. Mm-hmm. And Murray does really come to bat for her a lot, yeah. which is great. Um. But I guess it's kind of nice to, you know, reach the end of the the end of the season and we've got this kind of soft episode that's really just about their love for each other, which is kind of fun. And it's Mary, a nice it's a nice way to end the yeah. season. But it's also not a very big way to end the season. No. Which while we were ending the episode and I said, you know, I guess they didn't really do cliffhangers or like those big endings to seasons where it's kind of where the, the, the end of the season is the big deal and you're waiting to see what's going to happen next. Right. And you brought up Dynasty and yeah. Who Killed JR. So what is the whole Who Killed JR? Was like, it Dynasty? It I was think Dynasty. Because so. I've seen in like a few different shows have referenced it. It well, was on. A, I think they did a whole new Dynasty. That They've I, done a new I never one. watched the original or this one. So I don't really, honestly, I don't really remember. But that was the one, the earliest cliffhanger that I can remember being something that people talked about. It was a Dallas, lot. not Dynasty. Dallas, I'm sorry. And Dallas. who shot JR? Yeah. Who shot JR? So Dallas was a series with Larry Hagman as the, as the main character. And I can't remember, I can't even remember who was. Who else was in it? I guess it's early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. Yes, this was <clears> in, because I guess it's... And he was, the character he played was J.R. J. Ewing. Yes. It was the Ewing family. In A House Divided, the show's third season finale. Okay. The mystery was not resolved until the fourth episode of the fourth season, Who Done It, which aired eight months later. So that was, and it was in 1970, it was the end, the finale of... Sorry, the final scene of the 1979-1980 season. Okay. So that's when that happened. Right. And people talked about this out on the streets. It was a huge, huge deal. Who shot JR? Yeah. And it became part of, like, folklore of of cliffhangers. It was the beginning of the cliffhanger 
motif. Well, and it was, it, I mean, it's been referenced in... Many other... Many other shows. Yes. When Chandler is uh, without a job after he and Monica are married on Friends and he's at home all the time trying to, you know, technically trying to soul search and find out what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And he watches Dallas and you see him come to the end. But who shot JR? (laughs) That's it? It's over? Who shot JR? (laughs) Who shot JR? (laughs) I've got to get a job. And on Freaks and Geeks, there's, you know, a season with, uh, or an episode with, because there was only one season, which is a crying shame. Oh, I'm forgetting the character's name and the actor's name. The nerdy gangly kid uh, of the geeks who is watching, who, who starts talking about Dallas and who shot JR. Like, it's, it, it's, it's enough of, it, it's, it's embedded enough in popular culture that it shows up in, it's a shame. in period piece shows, like yes. something like Freaks and Geeks, and contemporary shows like friends at the time right but i i've never known like i remember watching those and scratching my head going i don't get what, it what does that mean well, yeah, yeah you what didn't, are they you didn't understand the reference i've never watched dallas no and i can't say that i have either to be honest so but you knew about this. i knew about this because it was a thing like a big thing a big thing a huge thing hmm. in its day so there so, we are so we have this kind of it's an end to the season that's non, just an end to the it's season. It's a non-cliffhanger. But for a first season, this was it, a really good season. I think it was season. a lovely, lovely season. It was a lovely season. It was a nice way to end the season. Mom, yeah. what, are, what were some of your favorite episodes? I guess to do a bit of a wrap-up. So, <laughs> 24 <laughs> is a lot of episodes. And there are a lot of really lovely moments mm-hmm. that, you know, we're laughing out loud while we're re-watching them. I would have to say the pilot is... It's kind of hard to to not like the pilot because it sets the stage for everything that comes after it. Mm-hmm. And you get to see who's who and what's what and how she comes into this job in a kind of a almost an incidental kind of way, mm-hmm. how she gets this associate producer job, how she gets her apartment, how she meets Rhoda, how she how she sets herself up in this life that she has. Look, about the job, I'll find plenty for you to do tomorrow at the station. Oh, thank you, Mr. Grant. If I show up. (laughs) Hi! Hi! If that's Bill, you didn't lose much. (laughs) Isn't that funny? That's what everyone says. It didn't work out, huh? Did Bess tell you? No, I figured it out for myself. I got this tremendous sensitivity. And you've got this heating duct that goes all the way up to my apartment. So I like that way of, of beginning this. Um, I also really liked um, Bess, You Is My Daughter. Mm-hmm. When when uh, I think she has to she has to stay Bess has to stay with Mary for yes, a time cause, because because uh, Lars has chickenpox. Oh right, and it turns out to not be chickenpox. So when Phyllis comes by to take Bess home, Bess doesn't want to go home, because and because Mary's of her, cool, because Mary's cool, and because of her new wave feminist uh, parenting books. They have instructed her that her daughter is an autonomous human being who must make her own decisions and be taught that that is acceptable and says, okay, you don't want to come home. You now live with Mary, which in hindsight is pretty 
friggin' insane. <laughs> like, in no way, shape, or form should that ever be a thing that's like, cool, okay, you're 10 years old, you don't want to live at home anymore? That's fine. fine. Have fun. I think, I think the whole abdicating to your child because your child needs to be autonomous when your child is 10 is crap. Yeah. Uh, but that was, you know... She was a she was a very uh, forward thinking mother, or so she thought, mm-hmm. and I think she felt that her life was being she Phyllis. I think she felt that she's highly educated, and her life is being wasted as a as a mother. So she needed to use her her um, highly attuned uh, social skills to raise her child yes. in this enlightened world. Yes. And the kid is having none of it because. She, She's having great fun with Mary. She's going out and doing things, and they're doing the, the you know, favorite aunt kind of uh, They're thing. having their montage of going for ice cream. They rain. are. And quite the montage it is. It is. And, um, and I like the little girl, and I don't remember the name of the actress, who plays Bess. I think she's, she's very, she's... She's charismatic. She's, she's sassy without being cutesy sassy. No. And I like, and I like her character. Lisa Gerritsen. That's it. Is her name. That's it. As yes. Bess Lindstrom. Yes. Who is 60 years old now. What? Yeah. She's two what? years. She's, she was born in 57. No. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Does that blow your mind? Yes. A little, little bit. bit. A lot. A lot. <laughs> the other episode that I really, really liked, and I, and I, I find Phyllis a, a really fascinating character. And it, this is the one, episode number 10, assistant wanted female where where phyllis becomes an assistant to mary yeah uh at the station and just her way her manipulative ways are just incredible mm-hmm. you have to applaud her for the way she has everyone doing everything and she doing nothing yeah and mary's doing her work mm-hmm. uh and it, and you just kind of shake your head and and wonder that takes talent. It takes real talent to be so, <laughs> so manipulative awful. and so awful. Mary, I thought you hired Phyllis to do that. Lou, I thought I hired Phyllis to do this too, Murray. Well, if she's not doing that, what is she doing? Murray, mm-hmm. this copy you sent down, Ted doesn't like it. See what you can do to perk it up. Perk it up? Uh, Phyllis! Yes. Murray, would you excuse Phyllis and me for just a minute, please? Not on your life. I want to hang around and watch you explode. Explode? Mary doesn't explode. Yes! Mary does explode. It's just that uh, Mary has this uh, long fuse, you see, and people think that they can take advantage of her because she has this long fuse. But Phyllis, every once in a while, the fuse burns down. And then it's Let just... me understand this. You feel I'm taking advantage of you? Phyllis... Look, I gave you a job. You are supposed to be... Filing. Filing. You are not supposed to be coming in here and telling... She's got me so crazy, I can't think of your name. Murray. Thank you, Murray. (laughs) You are not supposed to be coming in here and telling Murray that... Ted? Doesn't like his puppy. (laughs) That's not your job, Phyllis. Your job is to be my assistant. Co-worker. Assistant, Phyllis. No, I am not going to do your job for you. You're right, Mary. You were nice enough to give me this job, and I, I just got swept up with the glamour of it all. I mean, Ted Baxter, the lights, the cameras. Mary, just as soon as I finish up in the studio, I'll run back here and do this. I'll stay until midnight uh, doing that, it if I have It's all right. To. No, go, Phyllis. It's, if you can do it in the morning. I did most of it myself anyway. Oh, thanks, Mary. Uh-huh. Murray, see what you can do to perk this up. Perk it up. 
Gordo. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. She, Phyllis, for me, is a bit of a... She's an interesting case study in what it means to be a white middle-class woman in the 70s. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's... I, she, yeah. I mean, especially, I'm really excited to see how we how we get to see her come season two and what changes might happen, what growth might happen, what kind yeah. of development. Cause she's, she's far from one dimensional in season one, but she's also just very much, um, not unlike Mary kind of coming into her own yeah, and still really seems like she hasn't quite figured it all out yet. So it's, I'm, I am intrigued by a character like Phyllis because she is, Arguably, she's probably one of the more complex yes. characters. She's hard to like. She's very hard to like, but she's also hard to dislike. Yes. But she's... Yes. And she's... She's got some zingers that are so inadvertent that you yeah. go, what just happened? And just... And even when you think about the way she is when Mary does get offered that new job. Yeah. And Phyllis is very... I mean, she speaks from a position of, of privilege whereby she can be this frank... But her frankness is actually quite beneficial to Mary, I think, where she flat out says, okay, well, here's your, here are your here choices. Are your choices. Either you can take the job or you can go to your current, you can take the job because you need the money or mm-hmm. because you need the money but don't want to leave your current job, you go can to your go, and ask go to raise. Lou and ask for a raise. Right. And if he can't give it to you, then you have to take the other job. Right. Like if those are, here is the, situ- here's the reality <laughs> of the situation. Here are the choices that you have to make. That's where you have to go. And she's not mean about it. She's not she's nagging about it. About she's it. incredibly pragmatic yeah. about it. So I'm really interested to see how she's going to grow. Right. Because she has her moments where I absolutely love her. And that's yes. one of them. Yeah. And then she has her moments like an assistant wanted female. Where unfortunately she's horrendous. She's manipulative and vindictive and cruel. Yes. And... But then again, when the episode ends, we get to see her come back from that and kind of apologize for her behavior and and talk about how she feels insecure. And we, we don't get to see the full spectrum of that insecurity. No. But we do get to see her restlessness as a woman who is incredibly smart and incredibly capable, who has never really afforded herself the luxury of honing those skills in a real way and being taken seriously for them. I think she's she's a woman in transition in that, you know, she's a wife and mother in a in a traditional way, mm-hmm. and yet, as you say, she's smart, she's educated, and I think she yearns for more and is resentful of being put in or of being in this traditional position. Mm-hmm. I think her restlessness and her her nastiness, I think, comes out of a of a of a level of dissatisfaction with her life. Yeah, and we may see more glimpses of that in future se- mm-hmm. in future uh, uh, seasons. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how how, that's how she impacted, develops how she yeah. develops and what happens before she leaves. Because yeah. as we know, Phyllis gets a spinoff, which right. happens apparently after Lars dies. Right. So and she moves in with his mother, I think, if I'm not oh, mistaken. That's why she leaves. That. I forgot about that. And Rhoda gets her own spinoff as well, and yeah. she leaves. Now that's one character that, and I, I love Rhoda. I love Rhoda. She might be my favorite character for sure. But 
I'm so frustrated with Rhoda at this point, especially with the way we see her in even last week's episode. Like, Rhoda is, in my mind, the most gorgeous of the three of them, Hmm. I think. She's the one I relate to the most. I, I she's a sassy George woman. She's a, Gee. Yes. <laughs> yes. She is a sassy Jewish woman with gumption. And I love that about her. But she is so preoccupied with becoming someone's wife. Yeah. And being someone's someone. She doesn't see in she doesn't seem to really see in herself her all the all of yeah, exactly. And that frustrates me. Again, you're looking at this from yes. the point of view of a modern woman in 2018. Yes. Yeah, I am. I and and that's I think that's kind of what's been so nice even just about this whole process is being able to have you here to go, well, well, I mean, I see where you're is. coming from. But However, I but I understand where she's coming from. Yes. And we had an episode with her mother. Yeah. That was a priceless episode too. That was too, a great episode. Because you can support see, your local mother. Yeah. yeah. And you can totally see how Rhoda can be driven crazy by her um, passive aggressive Jewish mother. Yeah. And you can never please her. No. And everything that you do, no, 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 don't do it. You know, I'll, I'll sleep on a bit of nails. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Oh, it's okay. This whole crucifix thing, I'm fine. I'm Just fine leave me where it. I am. Yeah, I'm okay. yeah, all good. The martyrdom. And the, the martyrdom oh. of the Jewish mother. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. you're not like that. No. But we do get to see a lot of, you know, where that insecurity comes from. For sure. and, and And, yeah, I mean, a Jewish woman at that time, even if you're not a religious Jewish woman at that time, there are, you still have, you know, you get married to a nice lawyer or a nice doctor. It's it's part of the whole thing, and it's not even just for Jewish girls; no. it's for all girls. Yeah, it was it was still very much the goal. Yeah, of 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 life. The goal of life must become married. a wife and mother. You got it. With a successful husband. A successful husband, not a tree hugger husband. No, mm. must be successful. Yes, My... selling lawnmowers. I th- yeah. What are your favorite episodes? Well, I I quite like support your local mother. I find the episode about Phyllis really interesting. Yeah. But I really liked episode seven. Toulouse Lautrec is one of my favorite artists. Oh, that was a funny, funny episode. That was a fun episode. Yeah. It was so entertaining. Yeah. And it was with Hamilton Kemp as Eric Matthews, who played the five-foot-nothing author that Mary had to interview. And... She couldn't quite get over how insecure she felt about her own height next to this short man. And I do like how, I I love how that eventually over time is a concept that got flipped on its head where we saw in something like Sex and the City where Samantha dates the shorter man. Yeah. And, but it's not about her insecurities about herself next to the man. It's not about how others might see her. It's about her feeling uncomfortable being with a man who's so small. So it is, she's not internalizing anything there. She's not being hard on herself for being too tall. She's being too hard on him for his height, for being too short. Yeah. Whereas here, it's all this kind of internalized resentment about, well, why am I so tall? Damn me. I feel uncomfortable about my height. But he's, I mean, and the reality is it shouldn't really be either way. No. But I loved what this said about 
the nature of attraction. Yes. And, uh, you know, our propensity as women to self-flagellate. And... And to take the blame onto ourselves yes. over something that is so ridiculously not our fault. Yes. And also kind of, I guess, finding an appreciation for being on the island of misfit toys. Because, <laughs> you know, he talks about his experience in high school when he was an outcast. Right. And Rhoda does the same and they yes. commiserate over it and how yes, it made I them into the that. people that they are. Yep. And Mary was the cheerleader who lucked out and was popular. She was the most well-adjusted and fit into yeah, everything. mainstream. Yeah. So that one, I, more than anything, that episode I really enjoyed. I also really enjoyed Just a Lunch. I'm going to jump over. Uh, this is my number one favorite episode of the season. Is requires more time to talk about. Hmm. But Just a Lunch with uh, Monty McC- uh, Monty Markham as John Corcoran, the vagabond, renegade, traveling. Oh, yes. You know, the, the Robert Redford. The good looking dude. Yes. Yeah. Who is, I, oh, God. I, I really like that episode for mm-hmm. many reasons. But more than anything, I really enjoy and appreciate Mary's bullshit detection <laughs> and her ability to kind of be really pragmatic about her heart. And her loins. Mm. And the fact that it acknowledges that, right? There's yep. there's clearly a sexual attraction between these people. Yeah. And we have that discussion. And, and Mary, you know, for, for a bit of it, not really trusting herself to be alone with him. And so getting Rhoda to stay with her. And, and then eventually kind of taking responsibility for the situation and saying, no. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay I'm with not this. I'm not okay with the... With- with this this mani- engagement, yes. this manipulation on his part. Yes. And him trying to have his cake and eat it too and yep. to do it with her when she knows better. When she she probably recognizes in the back of her head, what about your wife? Yeah. Like you're not, you may be separated. This was with, yeah, the, the, the journalist who was technically married but also technically se- separated who, as Lou put it, had more reconciliations with his wife than the Whiffenpoofs. Hmm. Or, or more reunions with his wife than the Whiffenpoofs. So... At the end of the day, you really do get kind of this sense that, you know, Mary's not willing to sacrifice the moral high ground, but also she's not really to, she's not willing to compromise on herself. And I think that, that spoke to me a lot. I think that was, because I, because I've been in those situations, well, not with where they had a wife, but I've been in situations where I could tell that this person was bad for me, but I, I reacted out of impulse right and you reacted of, with your emotions rather than with pragmatism to say yes let's weigh the pros and cons of this relationship there are too many cons it's not happening exactly yeah and the big one oh i know episode that 13 yes he's all yours the one where you freaked out oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah where Lou's nephew comes to work for the station, sexually harasses and assaults Mary, and then lies about it. And then, yeah, that was a doozy. I was not prepared. No. I was so not prepared for that episode, but it was such a pertinent one. And it seems in, it seems like a really pertinent episode. It's prescient on what happens, yeah. what's happening now. Although at the time, I think it was... It was taken all in good fun. Like it wasn't, 
Yeah. The seriousness of what actually was happening mm-hmm. really doesn't get talked about or it doesn't get portrayed in that way. No. It's more like this guy is a pesky, lying son of a bitch. Yeah, but it is still, you know, it's dealt with in a very timely fashion. Yes. It's dealt with very much in the sense that in, in order to in the avoid... the zeitgeist of the day. Well, yeah, best defense, no be there. Yeah. You know, like I'm quoting Mr. Miyagi on this one, but mm. that's technically what they kind of do with this is yeah. that, you know, if if he's going to show up no matter what and he's not going to listen to you when you say no, then go somewhere else, mm. which kind of to that extent also it was very much the dialogue of the day and yeah. looking at it through so looking at it through a, two, a 1970s lens. And trying to think of it that way, it's incredibly audacious for 1970 to have an episode that discusses sexual harassment, workplace sexual harassment, and sexual assault. So frankly? Yes and no. Mm. Because I think the seriousness of what sexual harassment is wasn't really elucidated yet. It was just seen as something that was... The boys will be boys kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. So it was it was trivialized a lot more. It was seen as this guy is a bit of a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what we can do with him, as opposed to this is a systemic problem that happens in every workplace, which yeah. is what we're seeing now. Yes. So we are seeing it now through a much more serious lens than what was being seen then, even though it was way more prevalent or just as prevalent as mm-hmm. uh, so it it just wasn't it wasn't given the gravitas that it deserved then no no but that but it wouldn't have been no because of the day well because women didn't see it as it is my right to object to this kind of harassment well exactly and you definitely get that that, that took of, 40 years yeah and even still yeah like i think the entire the entire discourse of, you know, especially with when he comes to her apartment and it's this idea of, okay, well, if you don't, if he's not listening to you when you say no, then just don't be home when he shows up. Yeah. And it, it assumes that the responsibility for not being harassed is on the woman. Is on the woman. It, it's like, we're not stopping his behavior because boys will be boys. Well, and and because it, it if they're going to be persistent then a woman can do no more than she's already done yeah so if so you have to remove the temptation by removing yourself yeah or covering up or anything like that. bottom line it's still all on your head you as a woman to fix it exactly and whereas now i think the dialogue that we're trying to start and the dialogue that we're trying to have taken more seriously with every passing day is that the responsibility for not attacking someone is on the person who would do the attacking. Yeah. That's res- pretty basic. Yeah. That, you know, it's, and it, it's hilarious. I've seen, well, it's not funny, but it's funny. There are a few cartoons that have floated around pertaining to, and a lot of these came about after Brock Turner, mm. um, where somebody used murder in place of, Rape? Date rape. Okay. And saying, well, 
what were they wearing? Because they might have just been begging for it, like to get murdered. Right. I mean, what a little what a little murder tease wearing that shirt. You know, they were clearly asking for it. They really mm. should have thought twice before doing that. It's kind of like, well, no, no, no. The person who commits the crime is the person who's responsible for the actions, not the person upon, not the victim. Right. Not the survivor. That's not the way it works. No. So watching, even watching that episode now kind of puts forward this whole idea that once upon a time, it's the, it's the harsh realization that once upon a time, without question, the responsibility for not being a victim was placed on women. Yeah. As opposed to placing the responsibility on men and teaching On the perpetrators. Men. Yes. Yes. And the idea that teaching, we should be teaching boys that men that that they do not have a right to our bodies to our bodies that's right that women have a right to their own bodies and men have a right to their own bodies that you cannot take or touch or grab or hurt and if you do there are consequences for that yeah and that there you must take responsibility for your own actions and for your own life so that's you know that that episode spoke to me for so many le- on so many levels, and we talk a lot about that. I'm not going to get time. into it all now. No, but that was that that felt big, bigger than I think I was expecting. Yeah, I don't think they meant it to be that way, but I think in it, viewed through the lens of your eyes today, yes, it is big. Oh yeah, yeah, huge. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So that it was it. I'm. I'm really glad that we started doing this. This is amazing. It's fun and I'm having a really good time and and I'm I it's been it's <clears throat> I am a binger. So it has been incredibly difficult for me to not like just plow through the season and go on to season two Which and season you three. Do. No, 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 and no. I have, my word is my bond, and I have stuck to my word and my bond. And we have watched nothing of the second season yet. Nope. We will not until nope. we get started, and we will likely start batching episodes and uh, so pre-recording everything for next year. Well, next season, season two. So we will be. You will not be getting any new episodes from us for a few months. We'll be back in September. So Tuesday, September 18th will be the season premiere of season two of After All, a Mary Tyler Moore podcast. Yay! Yay. Also with uh, season two of the Mary Tyler Moore show. So we will see what new hijinks the girls will get up to, the women Mm. will get up to, what new hairdos Mary may have, Mm -hmm. what new clothes she will have in her wardrobe, and what new... uh, politics and crazy shenanigans we can discuss that will be very you know, exciting what uh, what other discourses we can force and what can happen show. what happens in our contemporary yeah. world between now and then maybe yeah. maybe the u.s will have a new president i don't know wouldn't that be nice oh boy don't tease well, we me. can only dream don't tease me but it's been a slice I, I you know it's been wonderful yeah so thank you guys for tuning in thank you to everybody who's reached out over the past several months uh on whether it was on twitter or facebook or sending us emails it's meant so much to us to see how many of you have been impacted in any way by what we've been doing even if it just means that you've you know written in and said hey now i want to watch the show again or the women who have said it's made me want to spend more time with my mom watching this show Hmm. or it's made me want to spend more time with my daughter watching the show or just reconnecting and rediscovering whether it's the show or your family. That's wonderful yeah. and beautiful. And we're so thankful for the audience that we have. So 
be sure to tune in and keep in touch. We'll be reposting episodes throughout the next few months so you can catch reruns, because why not? If, the, if television can do it, why can't podcasts? Absolutely. We and have the technology. We do. We can rebuild him. We can. We can make him better than he was. <laughs> so by all means, head on over to, uh, to the various social medias, to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at After All Podcast. You can find us everywhere. Stay in touch. Let us know what you'd like to see in season two. If you'd like to see any changes in format or, or anything at all, keep in touch. Tell us about your stories with the show and maybe we'll read some for season two and your experiences. What were your favorite episodes of the sh- of our show on season one? What were your favorite episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore show on season one? And what are you looking forward to in season two? And please head on over to iTunes. Uh, you should rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share us with friends and family. Uh, the more you do on iTunes, the more visible we get. So let's, uh, let's keep it going, guys. And, well... Until next time.